Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. As today's guest for our podcast series, we have Martin Förster, Head of Smart Grid Applications, Asia Pacific, Siemens Energy Management. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, hello. Uh, the topic we want to talk about today is how will smart grid applications change the energy ecosystem? But uh, before we come to this, maybe you could briefly describe uh, your role in, in Siemens, what you're doing there. Sure, um, sure. Thanks for thanks for being here today. Um, so I'm, as you said, I'm responsible within the energy management division for smart grid applications in Asia Pacific. Um, what basically includes everything what is not related to, to SCADA software. So coming to metadata management related application like demand response, engagement, customer engagements, topics like that, non-technical losses. So everything what is related to, to software in a smart grid field context, what is not, what is not distribution software. Right. Okay, to, to get into this topic, if we look at, at your profession, smart grid applications, um, and we look a bit around uh, the, these applications worldwide, uh, can you tell us a bit about the differences in the, of the energy ecosystems in, for example, US, Europe, ASEAN? Um, what is your view on that? Yeah, probably the, the key difference um, comparing all this market is coming from the, from the maturity level. Um, as well as different kind of market liberalization levels and rules. My focus, as I said before, is, is more on Asia. And even, even here you see a lot, of, a lot of differences, a lot of different kind of uh, market levels here. So when you look through Japan, Australia, ASEAN, maybe a bit uh, China as well, um, you see different trends, all of them going in the same direction. From an, uh, it's a, quite interesting. Um, but, the, um, but the focus of these particular countries is quite different. Starting with Japan, after the earthquake and all these um, correlated uh, changes afterwards, there's a strong focus on, on energy efficiency and any kind of technology, infrastructure as well as software-related, what helps to make it a more greener economy, a more greener energy ecosystem. Um, Australia having different kind of challenges, huge huge amount of uh, of own resources, a comparably small amount of of renewables still. At the same time, a big place um, with a lot of a lot of um, rural places, very remote places. So topics like microgrids are, are very relevant there, as well as integrating them with an increasing number of of renewables. And coming to to Southeast Asia. Um, what is probably on its own already a small world with different kind of trends on, on, on in, in all the different countries, but here it's it's still it's still a, a, a huge focus on on infrastructure electrification in some countries, but it's more and more going towards making this infrastructure smarter with different kind of levers. We have some some island rich countries where we talk more about microgrids. We have some some yeah more more, more wide areas a lot of people where we talk about more green initiatives, smart metering, maybe even early kind of demand response initiatives. So again, each and every country has its own its own challenges, its own status, and tries to tackle its challenges with different kind of measures. But it all goes in the in the direction of making it making it smarter, making it more um, decentralized, and you need you need software doing so in all of the aspects to be successful. Right. So even in 
Asia Pacific or ASEAN itself, we have uh, quite a diverse picture of what is going on. Actually, um, I wanted to ask you to to kind of draw a map of what is going on in Asia Pacific, but I, I think you kind of just did that already. And uh, I would be interested. That seems there are quite a lot of opportunities for companies like you, but also maybe if we look at the bigger scale for the improvement of, of the electricity system, what would you see as the main barriers today for these developments really to happen? It depends. Again, it depends a bit on, on each country. When we when we say we put it a bit more a bit more neutral, what are the key drivers or the key negative aspects we, we need to tackle? Without any order, I would probably say there are three three items we need to talk about. One is talking about infrastructure. You have to talk about funding. Who is paying uh, for what? Who has an incentive to put in money? Um, who is finally paying for it? Is it taxpayers? Is it is it, is it private equity companies? Is it utilities providing this on their on their own funds? So this is one one aspect what we basically see in each and every country finding a finding a funding party who sees a strong business case in whatever needs to be done, microgrids, smart metering, demand response. It needs to have a business case for, for funding. So this having this is one of the key aspects um, in some of, the, some of the areas. The second aspect, and here some countries are a bit more ahead than others, is this whole market liberalization. When we, when we talk about software, when we talk about smart grids, um, the the aspect of new markets, of new business models, value-added services for clients or partners comes up very high in the prioritization. At the same time, in order to do so, you need an, an more and more open market to attract new players, to basically offer this. And otherwise, we come again to the funding issue that when there is no value, I mean, it's great that technology enables a lot of new things, but when nobody... <laughs> is interested to pay for it or to, to, to see any gains there, um, it, it will just remain a fancy technology. So in order to overcome this burden to really commercialize ideas, there is no way around competition. And this is in the energy sector, market liberalization, going away from a one player manages everything to a different kind of players in retail, in demand response aggregation. There are different kind of examples where new players could be attracted when the market rules are right. Um, so they are. This is this is one key aspect, and then the final one. It's more kind of more kind of technology related aspects. It's about standards. Um, we 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 went quite a quite a distance already when it comes to, for example, smart metering or substation automation, communication standards. I think that we are uh, quite far already um, in having having unique technologies and and standards across the industry. When we talk about more new areas, for example, demand response, Internet of Things, there we still have quite a way ahead of us in order to, to conclude what, is, what are the industry-wide um, common denominators. We will base further technology on there. Also, some things on its way, what go in the right direction. On the, on the demand response side, the open ADR community is, is there a good example who wants to define formats and standards around DR events the communication related to it and topics like that, um, but it's it's a it's a it's for sure not at its finishing point. Right, I'd like to pick on this point uh, that technology uh, needs to make sense to find people um, investing into it, and 
lift this up a bit on on the bigger scale. Uh, we have COP twenty one. We have uh, the uh, temperature increase targets, and we have the imperative of decarbonizing um, the energy ecosystem. So, if we look at smart grids, which is kind of a buzzword since maybe decades, and we look at the developments which are going on from a technical point of view. You also mentioned standards and everything. Um, is that going into the right direction? Is that helping us to meet the climate change targets we have set ourselves? I think you you put the question in the in the in the right manner, and the straightforward answer would be yes, it helps, but there is a but. Yes. Um, it's probably not enough to finally achieve where we want to be, and especially in terms of timeline as well. The, the new technology is a, is a very, or all the new technology areas, is a strong enabler and will help us doing a lot of good things in terms of customer engagement, energy efficiency, managing peaks, maybe avoiding to build new power plants, new generation just for, just for peak times. All these aspects are very likely covered. It's just a question of time till they all mature completely and have applications all around the place that it helps us in this dimension to meet the targets. This is for sure helpful. What we need is basically or are many triggers to accelerate this this path. And here we again are at at the the, the obligation of governments to to draw to provide these triggers. And there are there's a, a variety of tools you can have to, to to create these triggers. It can be policies, it can be again liberalization to drive competition in the market and to put pressure on established players to try new things and to, to give the consumers a chance to make choices in a, in a, in a greener way, what will finally lead to, to a lower carbon emission. So there are two aspects. So for sure, we're on the right way and we have a lot of enablement um, around. We have a lot of enabling technologies, but we need additional pressure from, from a policy perspective, from a competition perspective, to basically translate these levers into into tangible outcome on the roadmap we have we have uh, we've agreed on or most of the countries have agreed on right so maybe then as as a last question and uh, you mentioned uh, consumers getting uh, more power um, in in this whole uh, scenario the the other buzzword which is around at the moment and it's bigger than only smart grids and energy is the internet of things uh, where electricity and energy certainly plays a big role um, if we look into five years, ten years from now, how will our world have changed uh, if we look in uh, smart grid technology, Internet of Things? What will we as consumers actually see? That's a, that's a very interesting question. Probably nobody can for sure answer what we will see. I think for me, for my understanding, this whole Internet of Things concept, probably for the end consumer, means one of the biggest changes in, in yeah, kind of lifestyle since the internet came up and since this whole kind of smartphones came up. Um, just imagine how much time many people spend currently with all the applications on their phone and imagine there's, there is a huge amount of other smart cars coming up. There's another amount of smart um, in-home displays coming up. Um, so how much time you can spend on all of these devices and how much time you want to spend is the is a key question, and it probably it probably will will come down 
to the to the overall direction where customers see value from. I mean, you can you can do every you can do your your fridge smart. The question is, do you want to interact with your fridge for twenty four hours? So it's it's it will very very probably come down to the question where you see value, where you want to spend money, and where it helps you in terms of either convenience. So this this buzzword of set and forget devices, for example, saying okay, I I deal with this topic now for once, and it probably helps me moving forward to save a lot of time thinking about this particular aspect or it will help me forward um, automating topics I had to spend brain power for in the last year. So this this kind of doing it once and then forget about it, this will probably will um, something where consumers see value and where they at the end of the day also will spend money. On the other side, the same for the for the industry itself. How can they provide services the customer sees see value from and probably provides data and information the industry is is willing to spend money on to gain this information and to make the offerings and products better so it's it, it's it's all about especially on the iot forgetting all this for this standard barriers and any kind of additional technologies which might be required to make it a mass product but it will be it will come down to to value generation and who is willing to to spend money on getting data or using this kind of services. When this, when there are intelligent solutions on the market, it probably will change our daily life a lot. Hopefully not with spending more time with smart devices instead of with each other, um, but more in terms of convenience, meeting again also targets on, on energy efficiency and helping to make the whole development a more successful one. Great. Thank you very much, Martin. Um, now we understood a bit better how smart grid applications can change the energy ecosystem. Thanks for your time and thank you for listening. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com slash talksenergy.